1: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this episode of Political Straight Talk. I'm your host, the Political Superman, coming to you from the Corona Field County in Tennessee. And I'm not kidding when I say that, okay? We literally are, uh, with each day, our county is growing with the virus, but we're not going to spend all day and all night talking about the virus because we got lots of other things to talk about today, but before we start talking about all of those things that we have to talk about today, I, like everybody else, have been wondering what in the hell Lady Gaga's dad was thinking by putting up a request for money to help pay his employees at his furloughed restaurant, have they lost their damn minds? Because I'd be thinking they've lost their mind. They've since taken it down, but I'm gonna tell you, when you have somebody like that that has the means. Uh, keeping their employees on the payroll I checked. They have 22 employees. Um, I think you... I think you wait till the government program that's set up for that gets online, and then you go after that. Also... Uh, Something else that I saw today, and I don't know exactly how this is going to be handled, but I'm pretty sure they're not going to be able to do this. But And let me give a disclaimer here. I don't necessarily know that this story is true. Um, I read the article. The specifics were very vague on this, but evidently, According to one particular person, a chain, nobody knows who the chain is, sent out a paper for all of its employees to fill out and return, and basically, they're going to be docking the $1,200 that they're receiving out of their paychecks to replenish their payroll. Um. All I can say is that I'm almost 110% certain that this is false, but that if it is not false, that company is going to be in some big doo-doo, both from a PR standpoint and from a government standpoint. Okay. Okay. Now, there are other topics that that we could discuss surrounding corona, uh, but I want to put our prayers out tonight to the people of Jonesboro, Arkansas. A tornado touched down today. So far, no reported deaths, three injuries. Uh, Thank goodness this shopping mall was closed, but the tornado ripped through a shopping mall. Um, So, the corona may have saved somebody today. Uh, For the record, as of right now, there are 660,000 cases worldwide with 30,000 deaths, 121,000 in the United States with 2,000 deaths. Now, I think that's important to mention Because all we've heard about here recently is death, death, death. This is dangerous. This is killing people. This is this, okay? And yes, it is killing it. And yes, I do think that we've got to take standard precautions. Um, But right now, the death rate for the United States is 0.02%. I don't want anybody to say, and I know there's bound to be somebody out there that's going to say, well, all life is important, and yes, absolutely, every life is important, okay? So, that's why these states like New York, Washington, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, you all are okay to spend your emergency dollars on abortions, however, the president's wrong for doing what he's doing, and the president needs to drop everything and not help other states that have thought to prepare themselves, Tennessee, Arkansas, uh, Florida, even Louisiana, who is becoming a hotbed. Um, why should those states get less resources because they chose to prepare themselves? The total death rate in the world, by the way, based on the number of cases, okay, now if you do this against the population, it's like 0.000000, but uh, four tenths of a percent or half of a percent of the known cases worldwide have resulted in death, okay? On the flu, that is nearly 6%. So, just some thoughts there. All right, so this show is called Political Straight Talk, and so let's talk some politics. Uh, First of all, our thoughts go out to Tom Coburn's family. Uh, He passed away this weekend after a very long battle with cancer. Um so a few things that, that I've kind of been pondering this week as I've listened to this massive spending bill and the things in it. And today I got a chance to look at some of the stuff that was in the bill outside of what we already know. And we could have trimmed off about two-thirds of this bill and still done everything we needed to do directly related to the current Pandemic. And so, why does this concern me? Yes, yeah, hey, I'll be honest. I'm kind of looking forward to getting that check in the mail. Going to be able to get some stuff that otherwise I couldn't get or pay off some credit card bills that we need to pay off. Okay. But, is this taking us down a road? And that's part of what I want you guys to hear, okay, so Ronald Reagan, back in the 70s, had a show, it was approximately four minutes a day, and he would come on, and he would talk about a topic, now, today I want to listen to two, okay, and The first one is about socialism, and then we're going to talk about this so everybody can participate in this. But first, I want you to hear this. It's going to be about four minutes and 30 seconds. Then there's a second one we're going to listen to that will also be about four minutes and 30 seconds. If anybody has a problem hearing, please let me know so that we can fix it. But I'm going to run it now. Here's the first
2: one.
3: Here are three radio commentaries from 1976 that express these themes. They are titled Socialism, Soviet Visas, and America's Strengths.
4: I guess all of us have had the experience of getting into a discussion and coming up with the right answer two hours later when we're all alone. I'll be right back. My award for someone who thought of the right answer while the discussion was still going on is a young man named Brad Lanaweaver, a member of Young Americans for Freedom at Pennsylvania State University. He has written of an encounter on the campus with a pretty young lady who believes socialism is the answer to our problems. His own philosophy was self-evident because he was wearing a button that proclaimed, cut down big government with the cool breeze stirring her hair she asked what brad described as her ace up the sleeve question even you right-wingers don't want to starve wouldn't you like a guarantee that you won't ever go hungry brad knew that if he admitted to this she'd follow with so why not such a guarantee for shelter medicine and all the rest he paused and then gave her the victory she was seeking or so she thought he said sure i'd like to lay my hands on everything i can get "'Oh,' she said, "'but the state is the closest you can come to such a guarantee.'" Brad described her as braced for a counterattack involving the magic of the market mechanism. But he threw another curve. Sure, he said, "'I grant that. There's something more. I'd like a guarantee of shelter and medical treatment and even some recreation.'" She must have thought she had a convert. A little shocked, she spoke, "'But that's what we support. Why are you wearing that button?' She meant, of course, that cut-down big government button. Brad wasn't finished." He said to her, I would also like a yacht. Somewhat defeated, she answered, well, if you're not going to be serious about it. But I am, Brad said as earnestly as he could. I would really and truly like a yacht. Also a seaside villa. Look, she said sternly, you know what I'm talking about, sharing. I'm not interested in your greedy daydreams. I'm asking what everyone should have. All right, Brad answered, I understand. Let everyone have a yacht. But how, she asked lucidly with the first sign of a rational thought. Don't bother me with that, he said. There'll be a way, I'm sure. Just so everyone has a yacht. However, there is one more thing I would like. What, she asked. Two yachts. Brad wrote that she looked rather unpleasant at that point, and he feared for his safety. Then she declared, it's people like you who keep socialism from working. Brad agreed. Yes, quite right. Perhaps if people like me were put away somewhere, socialism would have a chance. By now, she was really glaring as she tried to think of an answer. Brad continued, but there's still one problem. How many are there, like me? Well, not as many as you think, she said, and walked away. And then Brad came up with a really appropriate last line. He wrote, there she's wrong, and that's why she's a socialist. All right, he is. Socialists ignore the side of man that is of the spirit. They can provide shelter, fill your belly with bacon and beans, treat you when you're ill, all the things that are guaranteed to a prisoner or a slave. They don't understand that we also dream. Yes, even if sometime owning a yacht. This is Ronald Reagan. Thanks for listening.
1: All right, so I'm going to go and put the other one on, and this one you'll understand. Listen, we could do a whole show just listening to these. But both of these have come up, so I'm going to put this one up. Here we go.
4: How easy should it be to become a registered voter? I'll be right back. In recent years and without our paying much attention, it's become easier and easier to become a registered voter. And whether we know it or not, we've been making it easier and easier for voting blocks to swing elections, even though the block doesn't represent a majority. The proponents of easier registration would have us believe that non-voters are panting to vote, but they find registering to do so impossibly complex and difficult. Is it true that our low voter turnout is due to the bother of registering? If it is, how come in some elections where the issues of the candidates have excited the citizenry, the voters don't seem to have much trouble registering and voting in overwhelming numbers. On the other hand, only 38% turned out in the 74 election, and the majority of the 62% who stayed home gave every reason but registration difficulty as the reason for their defection. If you don't mind a California example, let me give you an idea of what happens when you make it too easy. In California, there have been court decisions, plus the wording of the state elections code, which have created something called tranche voting. Technically, it's legal. Morally, it's on a par with ballot box stuffing. Very simply, a voter is eligible simply by declaring his intention to live in a certain place. Wouldn't you know that Berkeley has been the scene of what seems to be an experiment in mobile voting blocks? (laughs) Some of the election results have been pretty upsetting to the more permanent citizenry of that community. In one election, 2,000 more votes were cast in Berkeley than the total number of adult citizens living in the city. In 1972, 30 people voted from one address, a single family dwelling, and 59 were registered to do so. In 1973, six people voted from that address even though the house had burned down four months before the election. People with fixed abodes in six other California cities and two in Pennsylvania voted in Berkeley's election. All it took was a statement 30 days in advance that they intended to live in Berkeley. One man, Former Mayor Wallace Johnson has led the drive that exposed hundreds of irregularities of the kind I've mentioned. He's working to get changes in the state election code to remedy the situation. Meanwhile, the California legislature leans toward making things worse, not better. And Congress is talking of postcard registration for national elections. Look at the potential for cheating. A John Doe can be registered in three or more counties. There is no cross-checking between counties. He can be John Doe in Berkeley, and J.F. Doe in the next county, all by saying he intends to live in both places. How is it in your state? And does your congressman want postcard registration? This is Ronald Reagan. Thanks for listening.
1: All right, we got one more, given the topics that we're covering tonight, so here's one more.
2: Two of
3: Ronald Reagan's 1975 radio commentaries address the topic of abortion. Judge William P. Clark was Secretary of Interior and National Security Advisor under President Reagan and served as his chief of staff when he was governor of California. Speaking from his ranch in Central California, Judge Clark recalls his days with Reagan.
5: Those of us who entered political life with Ronald Reagan in the 1960s, when he was elected governor of California, found him predictable in his decisions because his actions were so firmly rooted in his spiritual and his religious beliefs, He was never persuaded by, and at times did not even wish to hear, the results of political polls. He would tell us simply, let's do the right thing, and the good politics will follow. I don't think any moral issue was of greater importance to him than the dignity and sanctity of all human life, prompting him in 1983 to write his little book, abortion and the conscience of the nation. No political leader in American history has spoken out more forcefully and more frequently for the dignity of all human life than Ronald Reagan. And that belief was carried out in his everyday behavior with the people and the issues he dealt with directly. While he often challenged the words and the actions of his political adversaries, I cannot recall an unkind word the president uttered against another person. I cannot recall a personal attack he ever made on any individual in the many years I worked with him. Again, out of respect for each human being. The real question he would say is not when human life begins, but what is the true value and meaning of human life? The president knew he had been given a spiritual mission, a special role in the divine plan of life. He was deeply prayerful without public display Often using the words of Abraham Lincoln, I am frequently forced to my knees in the overwhelming conviction that I have no place else to go.
3: Here are two radio commentaries titled Abortion and Adoption.
4: An unborn child's property rights are protected by law. Its right to life is not. I'll be right back. A little over eight years ago, when I became governor of California, I found myself involved almost at once in a controversy over abortion. It was a subject to which I hadn't given much thought before, and one upon which I didn't really have an opinion. But as governor, I had to face the issue. A bill had been introduced in the California legislature to make abortions available on demand. The forces for and against it were marshaling their troops, and emotions were running pretty high. Then the author of the bill sent word to me that he'd amend it any way I felt necessary in order to get me to sign it. Well, as they say, the ball was in my court. I did more studying and soul-searching on that subject than on any other in my years as governor. I learned that neither the medical professional, law, or theology had ever really found a common ground on the subject. Some believed that an unborn child was no more than a growth in the female body and that she should be able to remove it as she would her appendix. Others felt that human life existed from the moment the fertilized egg was implanted in the womb. Ironically, the same legislature that couldn't agree on abortion had unanimously passed a law making it murder to abuse a pregnant woman so as to cause the death of her unborn child. Another inconsistency. Unborn children also have property rights protected by law. A man can will his estate to his wife and children, and any children yet to be born of his marriage. Yet the proposed abortion law in California would have denied the unborn the right to life itself. I went to the lawyers on my staff and posed a hypothetical question. What if a pregnant woman became a widow during her pregnancy and found that her husband had left his fortune to her and the unborn child? Under the proposed abortion on demand law, she could take the life of her child and inherit not half, but all of her husband's estate. Wouldn't that be murder for financial gain?
0: Well, they said they were glad
4: I wasn't asking the questions on the bar exam. There's a common acceptance in medical circles that the cell, let's call it the egg, once it has been fertilized, is on its way as a human being with individual, physical, even personality characteristics already determined. My answer as to what kind of abortion bill I could sign was one that recognized that an abortion is the taking of a human life. I concluded that there were two instances in which it was justified. The Judeo-Christian tradition recognizes the right to take a life in defense of our own. Therefore, an abortion is justified when done in self-defense. A woman has the right, I believe, to protect her own life, if it is endangered, even against her unborn child. I believe also that just as she has the right to defend herself against rape, she should not be made to bear a child resulting from that violation of her person. In such cases, abortion is again an act of self-defense. Not everyone agrees with this view. But I can find no evidence, whatever, that a fetus is not a living human being with human rights. This is Ronald Reagan. Thanks for listening.
1: I know I picked three topics that totally don't touch each other, huh? And I did so because those are one of the. Third, you, we're going to discuss all three but they're all in the news now. And while we're not looking at postcard registration, like we were in the 70s, we are looking at same day registration and mail registration. So one of the things that has been in recent times, even as recent as this week, Democrats are trying to push same-day registration and voting by mail. Now, the same-day voter registration is not a good idea. Some states already have that. Uh, It's a mistake. You can go register in multiple counties. They found that in 2016 that was happening. Uh, the democrats tried to get this in the bill, thankfully republicans defeated it. but democrats have given us a window into what they plan to do should they get the chambers come November. okay? and one of those is same day registration, the second one is registering or voting by mail. okay? i don't care what anybody says voting by mail is an incredibly bad idea because all kinds of issues can happen there, okay? And this is the Democrats. The Democrats have a veiled way of trying to bail out the Postal Service, okay? As you know, they wanted all debt forgiven by the Postal Service, even though the federal government is responsible for paying pensions for the majority of postal workers up until 2005. Okay, so let me put it in terms that everybody understands. Anybody know how much a stamp is right now? Nope. Know?
3: No, I don't. There's okay,
1: well let's let's assume it's forty cents because I think that's what it is. Okay, so we'll say 41 because they always do something really weird with the penny. Okay, so for voter registration, if they send out 200 million voter registration cards, they've made $82 million. Okay. Now. Let's say that 150 million of those get returned. okay, And we put those in the mail. There's another 61.5 million dollars. So just on one election, okay, just on one election, That's $143 million the Postal Service has just made on postcards. Okay? So let's one-up that. We have primaries. Then we have generals. Multiply that by two, and they've made a quarter of a billion dollars for two days' worth of work. Now, I think that is a terrible idea, and I think that it is something that needs to be addressed, because I know that they're going to keep doing that. Trying to
3: find
1: Bryce here. All right. So, Mark, take it wait,
6: out. Wait, 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 Fabian. Well, one question, and I want everyone, this is rhetorical. Uh, if you had to mail in your ballot and the post office, and you had to pay the post office to mail your ballot in, wouldn't that be considered a poll, a poll tax? And that being a poll tax, wouldn't the government have to fund all of these elections all the cost of these stamps, or the cost of the postage, to get those postcards well, to the uh, the American public.
1: That's my point.
6: Unless you want to, that's why I said it was rhetorical. <clears throat> because
1: that's how they do things.
6: That's opposed. That's how, that. That's exactly how you would do things. Now there are certain things where postage is already covered for you and most of the time it's by private business, but it's not unheard of for the federal government to do the same thing. But with that being said, who, how do you know that so many people live at this location? How do you know that this, uh, this uh, ballot is going to be legitimately counted how do you know that the uh, postal worker says, okay, um, I know this is a Republican household. And as a Democrat, I don't like that. So that mail is going to go missing. It's going to be found in a, in a van down by the river about eight weeks after the election when uh, when Henry goes to toss all of the bills out. It's the same thing with online voting. You really can't have online voting because technically the payment of uh, – Internet access would be considered a poll tax as well. <clears throat> Honestly, the best way to do it is the way that we're doing it now, where you actually have to get up, go to your polling place, uh, make sure that you're on the leisure, sign off on the leisure, and most states uh, show a ID to verify who you are. And then at the end of the night, all the votes are tabulated, And there's a winner chosen. Democrats, on the other hand, have a long history of trying to cheat the elections. Um, Last case would probably be um, last month. There was an election held somewhere in this country, and the Democrats tried to cheat. Um, There's an election every year in almost every state, and someone's trying to cheat someone. Harking back to 2010, 2011, when Barack Obama started doing states who had voter ID law. It just so happens that he was behind in most of those states, but ended up winning those states in 2012. Now, the same-day registration. In In some states, and I know my state is one of them, you will get a provisional ballot if you are not on the roll but you have registered to vote in that area in, in the parish or the uh, the ward or the precinct beforehand that's provisional ballot where your vote will not count unless it's found that your vote is legitimate meaning your clerk of courts and your um um Election registrars will do the um, the hard labor and actually see that your vote was legitimate. With this same day registration thing, you could pretty much register in every ward and precinct in the tri parish or tri state area and go vote. You could spend the whole day going from precinct to precinct, spending about 10 minutes each time filling out your registration and voting. Now, there's no proof that you affirm any of those things, but because the Democrats need your votes, you're going to be able to vote. Anyone have any comments on what I just said?
1: Well, there is no such thing as a federal election, and so the federal government can dictate how a federal election is handled based on the Constitution, but how it's implemented is left up to the state.
6: True, but in a federal election, well, in a in a presidential election per se, or a congressional election, aren't aren't the states given money from the federal government to run those elections, or it's all statewide or internal? Actually, that's something I'm going to look up. But for the most part, you have had the average person has ample opportunity to register to vote once they turn 18. That's the only—that's really the only stipulation you need, you need is to you get to be 18. Now, of course, if you have a criminal record, that's going to hinder things because you're breaking. <clears throat> that's a loss of freedom due to your ignorance. Or your lack of adherence to the law now you're going to have the same arguments with the voter id laws and the uh the register to vote that it's a hard thing that it's almost impossible for some people in in some parts of this country to get an id or to register to vote which is pretty much bs because almost everyone in this country has an ID. Why? Because they need an ID for certain things. You need an ID to, um, say, drive. You need an ID to get food stamps. You get welfare or any other um, governments, um, any government um, supplies. You also need your ID to get Social Security. You needed your ID to uh, get into the DNC, which is the Democrat National Convention, which is actually quite funny. But we'll, we'll I'll digress from there. There was actually a study done on the streets of New York. And I, when I say study, I mean some guy would interview people. The guy asked, do you have an ID? And... Everyone that he talked to, this was in Harlem, New York, everyone on the street said, yeah. They showed him, they showed him the ID for the most part. <clears throat> and then he asked, how hard was it to get your ID? Most of the people he asked were, said, not that hard. The DMV is at this and this street. You have to wait a little while to get it. But for the most part, we got our license. Well, he asks, what about um, some of the other things that people have been, the Democrats have been uh, using, like the affordability of it, the uh, access to it, and say something like Internet registration for your ID. And for all of those questions, the majority of people said, well, I already have internet access, I can get, my, I can get online, I can register, I can find the information, I can, t- I can do what needs to be done to get my ID. And for the most part, everyone that he talked to had the ID.
3: Okay.
6: Yeah, I have no idea where I'm going with this either. Okay, let's just change the subject. Okay. <clears throat> Yesterday, the mayor of New York's New Orleans, whose name, her name is Latoya Cantrell. For those who are not familiar with Miss Cantrell's work, she is, She was elected in uh, 2017, this is her first term as mayor, and she is currently responsible for some of the BS involved with the coronavirus in Louisiana. Now, for those who don't know, Louisiana has the highest rate per capita of infection of coronavirus. The majority of that is coming from New York, New Orleans, and in New Orleans, it's a lot of the nursing homes there. Now, Ms. Cantrell made a statement yesterday claiming that if the president would have told us to cancel Mardi Gras, we would not have the number of corona cases we have right now. Okay. Okay. For those who don't really understand what Mardi Gras is, Mardi Gras is about a three-week-old party in New Orleans culminating on Mardi Gras Day, which is the the uh, Tuesday before Ash Wednesday. For Catholics, which this is one of the reasons why it's celebrated, it, because New Orleans is a very Catholic, very Catholic society. It was founded that way. You throw your biggest party before Lent starts. The people who come down from, from Mardi Gras are throughout the world. And that will generate millions, hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars into New Orleans's economy. Now, to cancel Mardi Gras would mean to hurt 90% of the businesses in New Orleans. And no mayor in their right mind would do that, even if the president of the United States said, there's a horrible virus that's on the loose, and everybody in the city is going to die from it if you don't cancel Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras was on February 25th. At that time, people knew about the coronavirus. Actually, the month prior, on on January twenty first, was when Bush, I mean, when Trump put in the um, travel ban on China. And at the same time, he was called the, a racist xenophobic, everything every thing under the sun. Now, fast forward five weeks, no, three weeks later when Mardi Gras was in full swing. If the president had called for the cancellation of Mardi Gras, do you really think the people of New Orleans would have actually canceled Mardi Gras? I don't think so either. I don't think so. The majority of cases in Louisiana... Came from New Orleans or coming from New Orleans. We really had no idea what this virus was three months ago. We knew it existed. There, there's evidence on newspapers from three months ago that this virus has, exists. But the symptoms mimic a common cold or a common flu. A lot of times he will go there, people who are young or carriers and not, do not have the virus itself. Or, or I'm sorry, they have the virus but are not suffering from symptoms of the virus. So no, no telling how many thousands of people have been infected by people who have, don't have any symptoms. Now, you can look at the major cities in this country that had huge gatherings over the last three months. New York is a prime example. What was going on in New York three months ago? (laughs) You had the ball dropping in Times Square for uh, New Year's. You also had Chinese New Year, which is a huge event in New York City. Also, just the fact that New York City is so big and so densely populated, that one sneeze in a subway car can spread thousands of viruses throughout the, uh, the car. So it's not hard to realize that just the sheer population size of a place and the population density of a place can make it a hotbed for this virus or any virus. Same thing with New, York, New Orleans.
2: New Orleans during
6: Mardi Gras is just a sea of people where you have two to three million people packed into a one, the one to two square mile area. It's, un, it's unbelievable and it's unreal when you actually fathom how easily this, this a virus or the coronavirus could have spread in a uh, largely populated city. Now, there's another thing that's coming up it's the people that went to spring break in, say Texas, Florida, any beachside community. How many people are going to be infected with the virus come say next week? It's not hard to look at the look at the news and see that there were parties going on, parties going on in Fort Lauderdale or Destin or wherever.
1: Well, the problem is is that you have people that while they while a lot of people have taken this seriously and 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 you know, done what they needed to do and in some cases overly done, there are others that are taking the standard precautions, going about their lives in a cautious way. And then there are those that, even after it was determined that this thing can spread like wildfire, okay, that they still continue to operate as if they continue to operate as if nothing's going on. And while, listen, yes, most of these young kids are probably not going to be adversely affected by doing this or by participating in these events. so that 47-person little shindig in New Jersey where the cops busted it up, they could definitely come in contact with people that it does affect. And so I'll use my area as an example. They have five people from the college that were infected. Well, what they've done is two of those people worked at (laughs) Applebee's. Applebee's, then they served literally hundreds of people before getting any symptoms, before being... discovered, and so then it all, the tentacles reach out, so now the people that were served at Applebee's have been affected, they go out to their jobs, to the supermarket, to Walmart, to wherever, and they come in contact with people, and so on and so forth, and you are now starting to see, now you're starting to see most people, Uh, most of the spread now is not coming from travel, it is coming from direct, or what they call community spread. It's now being spread by people who have no link to travel, no link to whatever, it's community spread as a result of these people. That even after they were warned, look, you know, you need to take precautions. They didn't. And so that's a, you know, that's a, that's a concern. And while New York and New Jersey and Washington and all of them continue to, they now want a federal quarantine. Now, Trump has said not that he's not going to issue a federal quarantine. And good for him, he don't need to. He needs to let the states handle it. Okay. However, and and this is the big however on this, the states really and truly need to put the hammer down. Okay. If it's continuing to spread in New York and the New York City area, then deal with it in a regional area instead of trying to affect the whole country. And I do think that that's what needs to be done. They need to compartmentalize this, and that's how you get a hold of them. If you have hot centers of Baton Rouge or New Orleans or wherever, if you've got a hot spot in New York City, control those hospitals but by hell abortions are open for business yep. and that just absolutely blows my mind. I could not I could not fathom that and the fact that abortion clinics want to be able to take out government loans or receive subsidies for revenue lost. Are you kidding me?
3: I mean, you got Governor Cuomo up there still whining that he didn't get enough money. And when he talks about when. President Trump was considering a quarantine. He says, I don't even know what that means. You know what it means. you did your damn job, you wouldn't have 53,000 people sick in your state. I mean, all he can do is complain that didn't get it or not enough ventilators when he has a warehouse in Jersey full of them.
1: All right. Anybody got a topic they want to bring up
2: tonight?
6: No, yeah. I was talking for the last few minutes with my phone. Muted. What I don't understand is go. New York City, New York City, and the state of New York after 9/11 should have should be prepared for anything that could be thrown at them.
2: The Department
3: of
6: health and human services, for the most part, should allocate money on both the city and the statewide level just for an emergency like this. Mm
2: -hmm. Now,
6: respirate, I mean, mask. Why not have all those masks already stockpiled? How many people have been sick or have died from the ashes of the World Trade Center? And wouldn't masks have prevented that to a certain extent? So why not stockpile things? Now I love that the, that you have the one of the most liberal cities in the country, and you have a socialist as your mayor. You have a liberal as your governor, who love just handing out things to people just for the hell of it, man. Midnight basketball or any any other. St- Stupid, stupid initiatives put forth by the governor and or the mayor. When they can, money's being hemorrhaged just to satisfy their own wants and whims, when you really should be getting ready for something. Look at states like Texas, Florida. Look at most of your states below the Mason-Dixon line. Who have either Republican governors or, if not Republican, conservative uh, Democrat governors. Now they don't have the population density as in New York City, but they are prepared. The South is prepared for one main reason: every, every year for hurricanes.
2: Yeah. Even New Ornana. Orleans,
6: as as bad as it is in New Orleans, the fact that. New Orleans is always prepared for a hurricane, thanks to Katrina. Tornadoes. They're not – they don't – yes, tornadoes also. But for the most part, along the Gulf Coast, it's hurricanes. Every city and every state is ready for a hurricane. Even the ones, like, a few years ago with Harvey, Houston was still more prepared – that hurricane than any other then a New York city is prepared for this coronavirus. Now I don't, I don't know if y'all remember these, but there were smallpox scenarios that were being played out after 9/11. and what happens if a, if a airborne version of smallpox or anthrax, was introduced to a city like New York. What would need to have happened? Now, I know the mayor and the governor of New York went through those scenarios, along with the mayors and the governors of a host of cities and states in this, in this country.
2: <clears throat>
6: Yet we finally have something Y'all should have been preparing for. And what happened? Well, the federal government isn't giving me enough money. I'm going to have a news conference every day because the, the, the federal government has not prepared me enough for this, even though I've done a briefing of this at least once a year. That's like in Louisiana. Every year in Louisiana, we have a hurricane, whatever its name is, and that is a Preparation for hurricane season, it's usually in April or May, and it it gets, you get your local state and even your federal government involved, and what to do in the case of an emergency like that. Now, for 18 years, 19 years, almost 20 years now, we have been talking about 9-11, we've been talking about what can happen if it's a bio-threat say Al-Qaeda wanted to unleash anthrax or smallpox into the community. That's been played out in various scenarios across this country for the last 20 years. But this little thing from China is making us all not remember a damn thing uh, we've done. I think there's a reason why... Trump didn't say, we're going to quarantine these states today. That's because the blame for not being prepared, every state and every mayor is going to say, the federal government didn't prepare me enough, or it's the federal government's fault. But in hindsight, it's mostly the, the local and the state government's fault. Katrina's a great example. Everyone blames Bush. I have never blamed Bush because I know what happened in the state and on the local level, and how corrupt both entities were. same thing is happening with with this coronavirus. You're going to see how corrupt the state and the local governments are and how inept these big liberal states actually are. And that's my rant.
1: Well, even Republican states. were ill-prepared. Any other topic anybody wants to discuss?
3: Well, we shouldn't forget Mayor de Blasio, Comrade de Blasio releasing over three hundred prisoners from prison. And the uh, okay. carjacking carjacking some spite. I wonder why.
1: Well, I don't know that there's a correlation to that.
3: Well they were making that assumption well not an assumption but they were saying that after these people were released that crime you know did escalate but just nobody on the street
1: well I don't know that there's a true correlation to that problem All right, any other topics?
6: No. Yes, the guy who went to Walmart after being after testing positive for Corona. <clears throat> this kind of reminds me of of, the, of a case back in the nineties. This man with AIDS, knowingly he had AIDS, but he went have unprotected sex with a host of different people, gave them the virus. And then when it was linked back to him, he was charged with attempted murder, and in some cases when the victims have died, had died of the disease, was charged with murder. I believe he's still in prison. or he No, I think he might have died. Of, he died in prison of age. The guy who went to Walmart after, being, after testing positive for coronavirus should be charged with something. I'm thinking attempted murder. Or is attempted. it is it
1: that he tested positive, or he told everybody he tested positive?
6: No, he tested positive. It was, well, I think it was confirmed that he was positive for it, and went ahead anyway.
2: Is that like the, the one that did God. the Facebook
1: Live? Is that the one that did the Facebook Live video?
6: I'm I'm not sure about that.
1: It's the only case I've I've heard the The guy the guy went to Walmart, started telling everybody he had tested positive, was doing a Facebook live video. And he was arrested and charged with making terroristic threats. Okay.
6: That's also the the guy who was on the airplane and said, I'm not gonna uh, I didn't want to miss my flight so told the flight attendant after the plane landed that he had tested positive for Corona.
3: Wow.
1: Well that's gonna pretty well make sure he doesn't make the flight.
6: Well he he made the flight. He told the steward he told, he told the attendant as the plane was landing that he was that he was positive for uh, COVID nineteen.
1: Well, I know that people are going out and saying they've got it and really don't, and what they're doing is they're arresting them and charging them with making terroristic threats.
3: Right. Pretty damn serious when Waffle House closes.
1: Well, yes.
3: But I don't agree... With California Governor Newsom, Los Angeles County Sheriff, who are closing gun stores because of the coronavirus outbreak.
1: Well, I know that I know they have sued
3: NRA, yeah,
1: and I know they're trying to get them for targeting. Um, I uh, my belief system is if it infringes on the Bill of Rights, then it's essential. Or if it if it <laughs> if it's something that's protecting the Bill of Rights or has to do with the Bill of Rights, then it's protected. So you'd think that that would become essential. It's
3: also unconstitutional. Uh,
1: we, we don't know how that's going to play out. I, I hope the NRA wins that fight. We'll see. I do see.
3: But they're just looking. It's another way of them stopping guns. That, that's the way I look at it. They're looking for a way to, you know, stop people from having guns. So they put up the excuse, well, it's a coronavirus. What do guns have to do with coronavirus, thank you. Right.
6: You know, let me play let me play devil's advocate on that one. The the, the state is not taking guns away from anyone.
2: Huh.
6: They are inhibiting the sale of them for this time period. I know. A- the the National Barbers Association could could sue for the same reason because there's a lot of beauty parlors and barbershops that are closed right now because of the, the coronavirus. You yeah. have a host of different, different industries that can sue because uh, they have been closed down by the, by the state government due to the coronavirus.
3: But there is you know, a reason to close down beauty parlors and because of the testing, uh, the touching, you're touching people. You don't know if they've got it, don't have it, you know. So, yeah, I can see that. I mean, I don't agree with it. Well, yeah, I do. Um, social distancing. distancing um, you know, the beautiful hall are up here. They're all close in town. So, yeah. But the guns are something different. California wants to stop the sale of guns, period. And they'll look for any excuse to do it. I look for Governor Cuomo to do it.
1: Well, I think Cuomo's got bigger aspirations. I don't think he's stupid enough to do that.
5: I
6: think that's one of the reasons why Cuomo won't call for the quarantine of New York, because that hurts him if he decides to run for president this year,
3: which may, it, may just happen. How does it hurt him? He's doing the right thing if he does it. He's a responsible thing to that, do. That, okay. Politically days,
6: speaking... If you are a governor who decided to close the state, that makes you a liability on the campaign trail. It's, it's the reason why, the, why Trump doesn't want to do it unless he absolutely has to, because it's going to make him look like a dictator. It's going to, politically, the optics are horrible for a governor or a president to quarantine an area.
3: So it's only for 14 days. It's not like it was for months doesn't or matter. years. It
6: doesn't matter. It's like calling I mean, for martial law. Calling for martial law doesn't make you a hero in people's eyes. It makes you a dictator.
3: Well, the governor of Florida <laughs> is telling people from New York, please don't come here. Because this is the time of year that uh, New Yorkers will flock to Florida. And he's he's well, asking them not to do it.
1: States states are going to start putting up states are going to start guarding their borders. Yeah. And and they're going to start turning people around. You know, um, I, Florida's I, got I a, Florida's got a problem though. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, let's let's take it and bring it a little closer to home. Kentucky's governor yeah. has advised. Kentuckians not to travel to Tennessee
5: sure right. I've read
3: that. Because and the governor of Texas, go ahead go
6: ahead uh, The governor of, of Texas said anyone coming from New York City or New Orleans will face a 14 day uh, quarantine once entering Texas
3: really? just
6: because of the rate.
3: And it's just a responsible thing to do amid this crisis. I mean, you know, uh, we're looking maybe the end of April, maybe May, that this thing levels out, you know, and things can start to get back to normal. I mean, I know it's frustrating. I know it's, you know, bad at the stores. I mean, I was lucky to find my cat's dry food tonight in Walmart, you know. I was getting desperate there, but you know. It,
5: well, it's bad for clothing stores. It's not
1: really it's stores that are closing. It's bad for them. But yeah. you the interesting thing is, and and I just want to clear something up. I I've heard today from I went to a Dollar Store and I heard today one of the cashiers said, "Yeah, I got my paper from Dollar General. If I'm called out, I can show this paper." Let me just go ahead and, and clear she did.
3: She did what now?
1: Um, they're handing out papers to people, these stores, to show them to the cops that, that they work for somewhere essential.
2: Oh. Okay, well, first
1: of all, these papers aren't worth the paper they're written on, okay? Right. The words, it's not worth it. If you don't have a card from Homeland Security, then you don't mean squat. Okay. Now Mark Levin on Friday made mention that he got his paper. Evidently talk radio is essential.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And he uh he was ranting and raving about it, and rightfully so. But in in reality in reality uh people, you know, Listen, I'm no huge fan of being quarantined, and I've been out and about, okay? But I am practicing the whole social distancing. I'm not getting around people if I can avoid it. And, you know, I do think that in some areas they're making a mountain out of a molehill. I've said that. Then in other areas, I think people are being a little cavalier about it. So, you know, and, and I'm one of the ones that originally... Was not, you know, I'm like, look, they're they're making a really big deal out of this. Several of you know because I have I've said it on here, I've said it in private conversation, um, and in truth, um, I was wrong. Okay, I was wrong to be as cavalier as about it as I originally was. Now I have, as a lot of you know, I have taken a a different stance on that a little more a little more hardline trying to, you know, take it as serious as it needs to be taken. Do I think it merits every state in the union being shut down, every business in the union being shut down, everything coming to a screeching halt? No. Do I think if you have an area that is becoming a hotbed of this, do I think you need to take steps to fix it? Yes. Do I think people need to stay home? Yes. Do I think businesses need to close in that area? Yes. Okay. And the one thing that I I hear is, and, and this was, I think this irritated me most of all, was that I heard every business I've been in that they were talking about shutting down, every single business has made it a point to talk about how essential they are, okay? Well, no, really you're not. Grocery stores, gas stations, they're essential. Pharmacies, essential, okay? Factories that make stuff that provide directly and indirectly for our medical personnel, essential,
3: okay? What was Jim's problem
1: uh, because they wanted to charge top dollar for the um, they only wanted to make so many said they wouldn't be out until late April, and were wanting top dollar for them, basically uh-huh. trying to strong arm the government
3: greed Greed.
1: And the government said, "Well, since we can't seem to come to an agreement, well, you're going to be making <laughs> it, anyway.
2: Yep.
1: Wow, man, I'm not a fan of government takeovers.
6: What Trump, what Trump should have told the CEO, he should have looked looked him dead in the eye and said, "Remember when Ob when the government bailed your ass out? I'm yep. not Obama.
1: Just remember that."
3: Yeah, Mary. Mary B. You
1: know, and, and I agree with that. I mean, they got bailed out, and they shouldn't have been.
3: No, they shouldn't have been.
1: And that's the long and the short of it. All right, gang. Any other topics?
3: No. Joe Biden is still well, Joe embarrassing himself so.
6: well actually joe biden has a legitimate sexual harassment claim against him
3: Yes, from a
1: correct. former
6: staffer yep He's
3: How? not
1: otherwise. go anywhere i guess the question would be how old is the staffer or how how long ago
3: it's when he was in the senate
1: so roughly 10 years if not longer Well, here's my question on stuff like that. I'm just going to lay it out there. Uh, Listen, if you're harassed, fine. You know, I get it. You want your your day in court. But but why do people wait until they're running for office? Right. Or they're, you know, why? If this is truly about justice, if this is truly about anything, why, why do this now? Why not do this when he was chosen to be vice president. Why not do this when you know, why? The that same, would be the my same first
2: reason, reason.
6: The same reason Kavanaugh's accuser didn't come out until 35 years after the event.
1: Well, Kavanaugh's accuser was paid to come out and mm-hmm. Kavanaugh's accuser you know, she was manufactured and I'm, I'm just going to I'm just going to lay that out there.
6: Oh, I know that that whole deal.
1: That whole deal was manufactured, and in my mind, in my mind, had zero, zero credibility.
3: So why didn't the government charge her with perjury?
1: Um, because it's one of those things of. Let it go. Well,
3: Let it go. Let's feel sorry for the.
1: <clears throat> no, I don't think it's about. It's not about feeling sorry for anybody.
2: It's,
6: it's, it's away like with when it. Herman Cain.
3: It he gets it's like away with.
6: it. in 2012 when Herman Cain had what three or four accusers that he mm-hmm. was that he sexually harassed him and all of this. And as soon as he dropped out of the race, they all went silent.
1: Well, here's the thing about Herman Cain, and I like Herman Cain, okay, but there was there was truth behind that stuff.
5: Really?
4: Yes.
1: Oh yeah, it, it was it was fairly common knowledge. What what the surprise was is that they waited so long to come out and say something. That's that's what the surprise was. It wasn't a surprise. Listen, he if you'll notice, he didn't stick around long after those allegations came in, and it wasn't because he was trying to protect anybody but himself. Again, you know, I don't want anybody to think I don't like Herman Cain because I do. As a matter of fact, I thought he would have made a good president. But there was legitimacy to those. I know a lot of you all didn't want to hear that.
2: But.
3: No, we got a tornado warning up in Dixon. So. Oh.
1: So it's a matter of, it's a matter of everybody listing your priorities. And a lot of these accusers, while, you know, there are several that have cases, okay, it's like the ones that accused, that went after Bill Cosby, okay? I think Bill Cosby's a snake, don't get me wrong. I think he's an absolute snake. But why take the money, sit on it until the nondisclosure agreement runs out, and then go after him criminally? Should have went after him criminally before. Okay. Instead of. Oh hey, well you know I've I've used up the money and my non-disclosure agreement is no longer valid, so I can talk about it and not have to give up the money. If justice was your true motive, if justice was your true motive, then the money doesn't mean anything, and you go after justice. Okay. Well, that's just
6: like the Stormy Daniels thing that's with a host of different things that are affecting the president now. Like the woman who accused him of rape 30 – she came forward recently, and it supposedly happened 35 years ago. Just so happens he was president when she accused him? Did she not remember that he raped her 30 years ago, or was it just more expedient now because I don't like him?
1: Well, and, and that's the point. That is the issue that is standing out there. Uh, you know, and listen, some of these people are truly scared to come forward, okay? They have to deal with it. I've never, you know, I don't have to deal with that kind of thing. So it is, it is hard for me to... To say, because, you know, I'm not a woman, and, you know, I don't know. But part of me thinks that a lot of these high-profile cases that just miraculously come out of the woodwork are motivated by other things besides justice. And that's a problem for me. I think that, and and to be honest, I think even our justice system is no longer about justice. I've come to the conclusion... I agree with that that our justice system is more about the dollar sign. Oh,
6: so we could do a whole show on just that, especially the war on drugs. I had a brother who went through the drug court program, and it was pretty much a
1: money grab. The drug court, now... I'll I'm assuming that's where they have to go be tested ever so often. They have to check in with a with an officer ever so often, yeah. and each time yeah, bring your money. They have
6: classes with, yeah, and they have classes with the judge and hearings and all of this stuff. And you have to pay so much if you're enrolled in drug court. <clears throat> but on the other hand, the state gets so many vouchers from the federal government, or so much money in grants. If you have drug issues in your in, in the state and things like that, <clears throat> then you also have well, prosecutors and att- district attorneys who want that conviction rate. So for the most part, they're not going to go to a jury trial. They're going to try the plea bargain, and in a lot of drug cases, the plea bargain is drug court, which is federally
1: funded. Okay. So, all right, I get that. So here's a question I have. Is the drug court, do you see the drug court as being beneficial? What's the recidivism rate of somebody that goes through the drug court and completes it versus those who go through the drug court and don't?
6: I don't have those statistics, but I know for a fact that my brother didn't complete it. My brother ended up getting kicked out of drug court because my brother is a drug, an alcoholic, and he okay. decided not to drink, not to not to drink, quit drinking. But there are, along with drug court, you have to have so many hours in AA or some kind of counseling for drug addiction, and for the most part, people that I that he has talked about, this was their. F- They've been through the drug court program multiple times, and it was unsuccessful. And for the most part, this is my my personal belief that you have to want to change for something like that to be effective. Being forced to by the state or uh, or the judge to do that is a motivation because you don't want to go back to prison. But on the other hand, it's not your will to do it. It's someone else's will, someone willing their, uh, their influence on you. <clears throat> so a lot of people who, that he's talked about that went through the program, did exactly what it need, they needed to do to meet the minimum criteria to get released, are still users of some kind of drug, and they're really isn't a cure or that we really weren't rehabilitated from that, uh, that vice.
1: Okay. Well, now, first of all, I agree with the concept of you have to want to rehab yourself or, or you, you want to have to not do the drugs. So You want to have to get off of those I fortunately know multiple people who have been sent through the drug court or sent through rehabs and and other things, not so much the drug court, but through other programs where they have not, they're not truly off drugs. They may not be doing the stuff they were doing, but they have other vices such as Suboxone
4: or, or whatever the case may be.
1: So I don't know. I've never had a drug addiction. So I can't. I know that the chances of drug addiction run high in my family, so I have just chosen not to try any of it. I didn't experiment with it. <laughs> Experiment with it when I was a kid, didn't, a teenager, nothing. I've never smoked weed. I've never, you know, none of that. I used to drink a particular drink all the time. When I determined that I liked it a little too much, I quit drinking it. So, again, that's not a swipe at anybody. That's just how I chose to handle it. All right, any other topics? Well, I remember you've got to stand for something. You'll fall for anything. Freedom isn't free. Thank you, soldier. For without them, we wouldn't be able to do this. For those of you that are on Ready Reserve and are part of the president's call-up of Ready Reserve people that he issued today, um, good luck. <laughs> For the rest of you, thank you. For all that you do, nurses, doctors, thank you. This is the political Superman saying have a good night, everybody.
3: Good night.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies.